Hello and welcome to episode 189 of the rather fabulous The Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them and how to try not to F it up in a very, very humble opinion. I'm Giles Alderson. I'm a writer, director and a producer. I'm Robbie McCain, director, producer. And welcome to this week's episode of the Filmmakers Podcast. And we have an absolute treat for you today, don't we, Robbie? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is a like a proper British indie film. It is absolutely good. Robbie's right. We are talking with the fantastic Lucy Bryden. She's a screenwriter and the director of her debut movie, Body of Water, which is out now in cinemas and on digital. Do check it out. It's so brilliant. It really, really is a wonderful film. And we sit and have a chat with Lucy all about uh, making films with body issues. We also talk about making your first short film and how that can be overwhelming, dealing with fear and learning to bluff very well. We also talk about what development was like for the film, working with Film London and BBC Films, what that whole process is like, feedback, you know, rewrites, industry suggestions, and doing all of that whilst remaining true to your own creative vision and original concept. Absolutely, and we jump into talking about the funding, the whole process behind that, the hoops she had to go through, and the writing process from everything. She talks about a script mentor, about dealing with notes, rewriting, the reality of a screenplay in front of you and getting it right. And on top of all of that, we're going to talk about casting, finding like the right actors who are going to be prepared to deal with some of the you know, quite difficult issues raised in this film. So finding people with the physical stamina, but also the psychological kind of determination to, to see it through. And how for female filmmakers, it is slightly different right now. Things are changing and in a good way. She also gives you some absolutely amazing advice for being a filmmaker. That is all to come on this week's The Filmmakers Podcast. So super excited for you to hear this. So, Giles the Dare, DVD sales, how are they doing? <laughs> you got <laughs> well, the figures in front of me? 3,900. <laughs> I have no idea. All I know is I'm getting some lovely, lovely comments from people. Oh, wonderful. On my Twitters, on my Facebook, in my message box. It's been so lovely. You worry so much about a film coming out. Um, it's just it's panicky, but it's so nice. You know, that people are watching it and people are responding. And like I say, it's not for everyone. It's a gnarly horror film. So you've got to be into that. But also, God, it's been really nice to get that sort of feedback. And yeah, it's great to walk into HMV or Zavi or supermarket of your choice and see it there on the shelf. It's, you know, all that hard work. And there it is. Yeah, some of those messages on Twitter are really nice. And that must just, it must just feel kind of... Yeah, it's sort of like the whole grueling process was worth it, almost. <laughs> In- nearly. <laughs> you kind of, you almost want to walk towards the, the DVD packet and it just sings at you or something. It goes, congratulations. <laughs> you, know, it's good. you, you did this. But yeah, there's none of that. That's it's when you know you empty, need to get more sleep. Empty That's box. When, you, when the you DVD starts get- singing to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I imagine Dominic, the, the masked character on the front, just <laughs> popping his head out, 3D version again. Oh, hey, you come here. That would be great. And I've seen um, I've seen some rumblings of another film that you're that you're involved with, Charles. I, I like I, I can't describe this any way, other way. It's um, post-apocalyptic pigs fighting in the <laughs> wilderness, and Danny Trejo's in it. What is going on? What oh, is this film? Yeah. This is called Bullets of Justice and uh, Julian Kostov is the producer of The Dare. Um, he was kind of involved in it. He knew the guys and they were struggling to get um, any sales on it, any distribution or any decent distribution. So we watched it and said, this is hilarious and funny. And we brought it to the, the Dare's distribution arm in America and they loved it. Um, the Horror Collective and they're releasing it. It is out now in the USA and Canada. It's batshit crazy. It is Danny Trejo. It is people running around after to the third world war and pigs have taken over and there's lots of guns and shit and splatter and it's hilarious and funny and all just what you'd expect from this kind of a movie check out the trailer it's called bullets of justice if you like that kind of movie very satirical stupid mm. fun tongue-in-cheek to say the least yeah it's massively tongue-in-cheek <laughs> it looks absolutely uh, mental but it's been really nice to work on the other side of the filmmaking 
spool, if you like, the the, the actual nuts and bolts Good of actually word. getting a film spool. distributing. Thank you. Well, it's film related, so yeah, it's. I find that really interesting that me and Julian now we sort of understand the sales a lot more than we did before. We understand what it needs to go through, the packaging side, what you have to deliver uh, to get a movie like this out into the world. Especially now we're talking to other territories, the UK, Germany, etc., etc., to push it out even further. It's been really interesting. It's been really fun. So yeah there's that um oh and yes the final week now of murder ballads the wonderful film from mitchell's holiday and the gang uh it finishes its crowdfunding on thursday so head to green it link is in the show notes but oh my god they're so close i think it's 85 percent now so really help if you can even if it's a tenner whatever it is but this film is going to be brilliant they're so close to the 100 percent mark so do help if you can link to that is in the show notes it's called murder ballads right what are we saying, Robbie? Well, we better get to uh, your chat with Lucy Bryden. We really had. And remember, if you do like this, then go onto iTunes and give us a lovely five-star review and rate this and tell all your friends. It means the world to us to get it out there. Right, Lucy Bryden and myself. Enjoy, you lovely filmmakers. Absolutely. Enjoy. Enjoy. I said it last. <laughs> Show off. remember Stephanie. She was last with us four or five years ago. Get me a copy of your reading plan. So good to see you. Mum, will you speak to her for me? You've got to try a bit. Why has it got to be my problem? Because you're her daughter. That's a precious thing. Seven months I was there. Didn't think about coming to see me. You must be strong. I'm tired of being strong. I'd rather be the sick one, because then at least I'd know where I am. You know this is going nowhere but down. You're not fit to be a parent. Do you want to end up like her? No. Well, listen, thank you so much for joining us on the Filmmakers Podcast. It's an absolute delight. We're, we're both in the middle of press at the moment, which is really interesting. How's it for you in the middle of Body of the Water Press? Yeah, it's been it's been quite intensive, you know, um, but it's such a nice part of the process after having worked on something for a long time. And I'm enjoying the ride anyway. How about you? Yeah, I'm the same. I'm enjoying the ride. It's, it's kind of weird because we shot The Dare four years ago and I've had movies out in between. Yeah. And... To suddenly now be going, oh, we're talking about this now. Okay, great. And really, you know, like I said, I've been doing this podcast for three and a half years. So suddenly, and the whole time I've been talking about The Dare as one of my films, and now to have it out is surreal and Mm. massively anticlimactic. And, you know, because it is a little bit anticlimactic when you have a movie out. I don't know how you feel. It's kind of, especially not being able to have a premiere at the moment. Yeah, right. sort of first screening we had was at, um, it, it was at the Glasgow Film Festival, so that was where we first presented the film. So that was quite, that was a nice kind of, you know, launch. But yeah, there was this period where we weren't really sure what was going to happen with this with this release. And um, so, yeah, we weren't even sure if it was going to be in cinemas or if it was just going to be on demand. And I think from my friends that have had things go straight to on demand only, like it has been a bit like, Okay, so now I have a film out. That's just how it goes, I suppose. And, you know, I guess the, the advantage is that, you know, people are probably, get, you know, engaging with, with more content at the moment anyway, so... I think that's a huge thing. Like you say, more people are putting eyeballs on movies that are online at the moment. Yeah. So yeah. I know it did, because it came out in March, um, and so it did much better than people were, were expecting and we're doing really well and the, everyone's happy and you kind of go oh so there is massive positives from it i think for me it's that whole thing of bringing all your cast and crew back together right to to celebrate together even though it can be so nerve-wracking for us right yeah completely and like yeah i think a lot of people involved in body of water were quite um you know com- invested because it was you know it's a tough subject so like 
I mean, a lot of them had some sort of connection or knew someone that had had like some sort of eating issue or like had it was something that was close to a lot of the people working on it. And so, yeah, to them present it um, to them, it's obviously you're like, it's a bit nail biting because you're, you, you know, uh, crew work on film, they work really hard and then they just kind of let it go. And then they don't, you know, the films obviously shift massively after the shoot from script, from script to the edit. And then, so yeah, that you they don't know what they're coming back to. But um, I did have a really nice conversation with the um, sound recordist uh, Aris, who was at, who came to Glasgow for the prep for the opener, and um, he was so happy with the finished film, and he was so complimentary, and it was like it was just really nice because he's not a gushy person by any stretch of the imagination. So you know, yeah. it's like it re- it really meant a lot coming from Aris that he was so he was so impressed <laughs> with the film I was like okay I've never seen you so like upbeat in the entire like time we worked together on the film <laughs> isn't that amazing though that that you can get that feedback and especially with a film like Body of Water which is incredible and important and I think that's really really what this is about we're trying to make films that mean something and as much as you know I've made horror films and action history you know I've tried to make it have meaning in there you know with bullying and with um what we should and shouldn't do as people and even a bit of veganism in there but with body of water you've really you know hit on a subject that is massively important and you know eating disorders and you've done it in such a subtle clever way that isn't in your face and isn't uh you know oh we shouldn't be like this or we should judge in this way it's just real people trying to deal with these issues and it's honestly it's a beautiful film it's beautifully made and i can't believe it's your debut i I mean it's you know technically it's your debut right it was sort of it was done through the film london uh microwave program and it was that's always for debut filmmakers so um yeah it was it's it's tough material but i think um they were really supportive in terms of just like you know taking risks with it um in terms of the shooting style, as you said, you know, it was a conscious choice all along not to kind of do, you know, really handheld or really in Stephanie's face or anything like that. It was always about um, being kind of giving her space and letting her character, you know, her character unfold rather than kind of, you know, doing anything to kind of necessarily... I guess it's a it's a it's a conversation about kind of glamorizing or fetishizing that kind of physicality, which can be a, you know, can be troublesome in and of itself. You know, obviously young girls watch like films about eating disorders, and I know at impressionable ages they will get really fixated on these films, like to the bone. I know a lot of girls watched over and over again because the Lily Collins character in that is so pretty and. You know, it's that delicate flower thing and um, they find it kind of inspirational. So, yeah, I, obviously I didn't, you know, that's not what this film is about. So, yeah, it was, um, but we, you know, we worked really hard to kind of make it this sort of respectful um, visual language for her. It being a conscious choice that I developed with the cinematographer that, you know, frames her in a, in a respectful way and keeps her at a distance and doesn't glamorize or fetishize her you know her physicality because it's it can be quite dangerous and that's obviously not the point of the film to like you know say oh doesn't this look great and beautiful because obviously that's completely not the point of the film i think that's one thing that's successful about it is that we managed to keep it quite detached but i think mm-hmm. sometimes that makes like some of the scenes like for example with the eating and things like I know that makes it quite uncomfortable because they're really long Mm -hmm. still takes of these like of these actions but I think it's quite effective. I hope it's effective. I think it's massively (laughs) effective and it's such a great choice to do that. You you could have gone so many different ways and I loved what you did. I loved that you held the camera like that. I thought it was beautiful. It makes makes us think. We don't have to think by the camera or editing choices of snappy stuff and close-ups of food and all this kind of stuff and you could have done that. And I thought it was just marvellous to just sit and for us to think about this and us to go, oh my God, okay, this works so much better. It's more powerful. Thank uh, you. Yeah, very well done. So I'm going to dive in more about Body of Water. I'd like to jump back a little bit to find out how you actually got to that position. It's your debut movie. Had you always liked films? You know, was there a film that inspired 
you as a kid to want to become a filmmaker? I mean, you know, I grew up in the like late 80s, early 90s. And, um, you know, we had all our VHS library at home. And um, actually, I grew up on a diet of pretty much like Police Academy movies. But then I think in my late teens, I got really interested in kind of sort of more art house films. And Tell you, Ro- Robocop style and yeah, Police Academy and all yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of movies. Yeah, yeah. Fatal Attraction. <laughs> They're just brilliant, brilliant movies. The classics, yeah. yeah. Classics, yeah. Um, and the thing about those films now, I, you know, and I, I think in terms of like, you know, young people's viewing experiences, because they're just so saturated with content now. But those films when I was a teenager and stuff, like, I, they really like stayed with me because obviously there was just less stuff and you would watch things over and over again that you liked. I went to university, I did a creative writing degree and I, I did some film studies there and I got really into it. Um, mm. and, it, and and that yeah that again was like sp- sparked more of an interest but then after that I moved to China when I was 21 and I um I sort of did a few things here and there and tef- taught English as a foreign language which I wasn't very good at I started working like uh, in uh, film production and then I you know the one of the my employers realized that I could write because obviously I'd done this creative writing degree and then I started doing scripts for them but at the same time I was also doing like getting more active in this little film community in Shanghai and I started to sort of direct little shorts Why did you want to do that in the first place? What was it when you were obviously after uni and you'd gone to Shanghai and you're there you know sort of thinking okay well I'm teaching English but I want to create stuff and you started how did you get involved in that? What was it in you that went I've got to do something else I want to create I want to make stuff? I mean I guess I always knew that I was fundamentally not someone that just wanted to sit and interpret other people's things or write about other people's work. Like I knew I probably wasn't the journalist type thing, you know, that's fine. Um, but I, I, you know, I just, I'm a very creative person. I can't like it. I, it, I just find it like therapy really to make things, write things, whatever. Usually it was writing. And then um, I just realized through writing and having other people direct stuff I'd written that, I would really like like to I would really like to think about all the other elements involved in making films obviously like costume music all that kind of stuff like it's super fun and cool um and you get to work with all these great people um and they bring all their skills so it's like it's really great you know when you have a great team around you so I think you've got to be a bit addicted to it to kind of <laughs> pursue mm-hmm. it for so long because often it doesn't give you that much back for a while or People ask you to do things for free all the time and all that kind of thing. So, you know, you've got to be quite dogmatic. And oh, I totally agree. It has to be an obsession. As long as you know there's something in yourself that is, you know, different or you offer something that, you know, is special. And I think everyone who does this kind of has to think that about themselves because otherwise, you know, it would just be a massive exercise in masochism. It's a funny business. It really is. So you now, you, you know you want to create and uh, did you just go knocking on doors as well to get those jobs to make shorts and start in that world? It was such a small community in Shanghai that I just um, sort of got to know people and then I got um, like asked to write things and, you know, and I was only like 23, 24. But then um, uh, around that age, I decided to leave and I uh, went to Berlin for a bit and then I went to film school in New York. I went to Columbia. Um, Yeah, um, but I I only stayed for a year because it was like really like it was too much like costs were crazy and I had had some funding support and things, but it wasn't really enough. And it was just like, I don't know, film school is weird. It's, you know, there's pros and cons as with anything. It's good for the network. And obviously it's a really well-regarded program that one but it's just like there's a lot of really wealthy kids whose parents are just like you know writing them blank checks to make their little shorts and like I just wasn't like that so it was like okay um and I'm I am a believer that you know if you have constraints especially in terms of budget whatever that can actually you know open up a whole different creative way of thinking and sometimes that's a really cool thing but um you know it is a challenge um but so I stayed for a year at film school and then I moved back to the UK and I was just making yeah I made some shorts and they got bigger and mm-hmm. more elaborate and like you know I think you sort of I sort of started to tap into this the themes that have actually I keep coming back to and it's usually stuff about you know the body and female um sort of sexuality and identity and things like that so I think there's quite a lot of that in Body of Water it's not obviously all explicit 
But um, that's fascinating. What was it? Can you remember your first short? Can you remember directing your first short and how that felt? Because obviously you're directing actors for the first time. You're casting them. You're bringing them in. What, what went through your mind? Had you planned it to an inch of its life with shot lists and? <laughs> um. I remember I actually acted in my first sort of fairly elaborate, fairly elaborate short. And this was a shot in Shanghai and it was all set in one cafe, but there was, it was quite a lot going on. It, I was so nervous. I think that was the thing that because I, you know, as a person that approaches things, usually initially my instinct is writing and that's in a very controlled environment and I can, you know, do it when I want. And I, you know, I can, um, you know, it's it's just, and then just, but then to go into, um, you know, being basically, you know, in charge of all these people and everyone's asking you questions all the time. Like that was a real, that really messed with my head, actually. I was really like, you know, it's, it's really overwhelming. Um, so it, I, I do still find um, the actual shooting process quite stressful. Some people really thrive on it, but I find it quite stressful. I love writing and I love editing. Um, but like actual shooting stuff I do. I mean, I love it. I love it as well, but it's just so intense that... Um, can you describe yeah. for our listeners what how what that intensity is like? Because I've yeah. tried. It's difficult <laughs> because it is intense. Everything's yeah. on your shoulders. Everything's with your vision and everyone is literally going red or blue. What do you want? Mm -hmm. how, yeah. Can you talk through that? And how did you deal with it, even though you found it difficult? I think, you know, it's like anything, you just sort of have to rise to the occasion. And I think I was a little bit of a rabbit in the headlights the first time, because obviously, you know, you're basically when you're directing something, you're the person that everyone wants the opinion of. And you've got to make decisions really fast. And it's really in your face. And um, you don't have a lot of time to like consider stuff. So it's got to be quite instinctual a lot of the time. And um, yeah, it, it, like it's, 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 you never have enough time. You never have, um, you know, the quite everything completely perfect, but it's like, you know, the, the process of all these people coming together and they're, everyone's always trying their best. That's the thing I love about films. Like usually, you know, on a set, everyone's like, it's like a fight, you know, it's like a war because everyone's like got that sort of same mentality. Like we will get this done, but you're like the leader. And so if you don't know what you want or you're, you stumble, like it, it kind of throws people off. So you've just got to kind of, there is an element, I think of bluffing <laughs> of learning how to yep. bluff well that I definitely yeah, yeah. learned from my feature because I sometimes you're just like I don't I don't fucking know but I'm gonna just have to give you a really good answer and really believe in it myself and then hopefully that will work and it usually does but it's like <laughs> totally so I, when people ask me questions like that I make a decision on the spot whether it's right or wrong if they say red or blue whatever it is this location that location i go that location i make the decision pat proud bold that one yeah. in my instincts and it's okay to then change my mind later i think the worst thing you can do is dither yes. and go oh i'm not sure what do you think because that doesn't give them any confidence so i that's why i do it now i go that one and then i think about it i go no do you know, do you know what? i've changed my mind and that's cool people accept that but yeah that is so hard when you that first moment of realizing you're the leader you have to literally put your metaphysical arm around everyone and make them feel okay. And you're like, what about me? I know, I know. <laughs> but fuck you, I you're know. directing it. So I you know. can't get on with it. I know. You wrote it, deal with it. Because <laughs> on shorts, you can drive through it and get through a short because it's often two, three days. If you're lucky, it might be one day. So you just sort of pile through it and everyone works together. On a feature, it's a different beast. It's a long time when you're knackered and you've got to constantly be you know preparing that boat to sail you know all the time how was your mindset during that how did you cope with that sleeping preparing all that kind of stuff it takes over your life for weeks and that's fine um there's a lot happens in a day because you so, you know it's such long intense days and and I think back to it, it's like, God, you, did, you do so much in one day, but it's just powerful. That's just how it rolls. But it doesn't give you much time to kind of absorb and like, you know, de you know, deal or decompress information. So you're just kind of t taking it all with you. So then by the end, it's like, yeah, everyone's just like, I mean, I remember vividly after shoot, the shoot of Body of Water, I went home and I lay in a bath and my legs were so sore because obviously standing around all the time. Mm -hmm. And um 
you know, you're running around. And um, I just remember sitting in the bath with like a glass of red wine. And I was like, just, it was like, a, it was like I was like in a padded cell or something. It was just like staring into space, like with my brain completely ransacked of any, of any kind of articulate thought or anything. I was so spent. And it took me like a good week to physically feel like, because it's so draining. And it's like, I know that's probably... Maybe it's because also it's an indie movie and it's a bit more hardcore in terms of like, you know, there's it's not super plush. Like, you know, I think that's the thing that I wasn't quite prepared for how incredibly exhausted I would be at the end of it. But, um, you know, that said, we had three, we, were, we shot over three weeks and we did manage to, we split it into, I think we did like five days on and then two days off. And having two, two days off was really good because sometimes they just give you one day off between shoot, shooting weeks and it's, it's like... It's not enough. It's not enough. You need two days. you need days. a day to just like, you know, chill. And then you have to like, you, you know, and as a d- director or whatever, or, or any of the heads of the department, like you don't really get a break. You, you're always like working on these days off, but at least, you know, it's a bit more relatively chilled. It's when I was acting back in the day, I didn't realise how much crews put in the effort and the time as soon as you do the other side you go oh you don't get a break no one comes over with a towel no one comes over to make you feel cozy and go hey do you want a drink okay they do but i mean it's it's a definitely a different feel and when you direct you don't get a second to stop because as soon as you finish that scene the actor goes okay cool give me a minute let me prepare you this and you have to go straight into that next scene you have to know where the camera's going to go you have to set it up think about all that stuff so your brain doesn't actually stop so it makes total sense when we finish the shoot that we just collapse we are giddy with we actually can't form sentences we can't do anything and hopefully our family are okay with that but if you've got kids or whatever then you know the person at home with the kids suddenly just goes no no you've been away for four weeks or whatever how long here are the kids deal with that and you're going there (laughs) (laughs) so body of water it's about a woman with an eating disorder and she tries to balance her relationship with her mother and her teenage daughter. The trailer's amazing. Honestly, go see this film. It's so cool. It's so, so cool. So let's jump into how Body of Water came about. Because like I say, you'd made some shorts. You'd done that work. How did you even get the BBC involved? How did it get that far so you could, you know, make the feature film that you had written? Had you, did you, st- where did the idea come from, I suppose, in that sense? And then how did you develop that into to actually getting people to fund you? I had sort of really been really interested in writing about uh, a character that had um, anorexia just because like I had had various, you know, food issues as mostly actually in my 20s. Um, I developed anorexia and I like, you know, it, it wasn't to the extent that the character does, but it was something that really like overshadowed a lot of my, of that kind of decade of my life. I'm 36 now. Um, so it was something that I was like, okay, this is like, um, a really intense thing that I've been through but I obviously I didn't want to write about it in my own experience particularly so it was like um, but so that was a sort of starting point and then I wrote a short that um, you know got some interest in funding and we went to present it in uh, Clermont Ferrand uh, market and so right. it did start life as a short so we were all set to kind of make the short but then because you know I I just, you know, I always love to write and I just sort of as an exercise written a screenplay really for myself um, and had actually developed it through this lab in Edinburgh, uh, in the Edinburgh Film Festival called uh, Network. Network, yeah, yeah. yeah. It had had a bit of mentoring and then um, me and the producer decided, you know, um, we'll put it into the Film London applications for um, their feature program microwave and you know if it doesn't if it gets in great and if it doesn't then we we can go and make the short version and it's all good so um yeah we got in and then um Hmm, how it works with that is it's like the select 12 projects initially they give you a, a sort of boot camp training week which was really great. Like we met some really great mentors. Like we had Lynn Ramsey and Jim Wilson who worked with Jonathan Claser a lot and like some really high caliber people and they were really inspiring. And actually Lynn, um, she, you know, I love Lynn and she just point, but she just sort of pointed me at some really interesting references like Safe by Todd Haynes, which ended mm. up being quite a, quite a really useful reference for later on. And I hadn't seen that film. Um, but that definitely, you know, inspired like 
a lot of like the thinking I went like some of the thinking processes I went through and sort of imagining in the film um so we did that and then um after that you kind of had to present the film again to this panel of execs um people who were fun who were you know involved in funding so it was BBC BFI and again Film London and then they whittled the projects down to six projects and then they developed them for a bit longer and then you had to basically go back um, and, you know, present the script and repitch it again. And yeah, we got commissioned uh, along with another film called Looted, which is actually just coming out uh, about a month after Body of Water. Um, so it, yeah, and then after that we were, we had, we developed, uh, you know, I was, we work, worked on the script a lot with Angelie McFarlane, who's the script editor. She's also one of the, uh, she was one of the execs at Film London. I think she's moved on now. But um and then, yeah, it was quite a, it was quite a lot of, um, you know, there was a lot of work on the script. And, you know, as a first time feature maker, it's scary. And there's a lot of like, you know, you don't know what you're doing or you feel like you don't know what you're doing. And then you get notes and, and like sometimes that can be quite, um, you know, digesting those and implementing them and, and finding what's useful in them can be quite a process in and of itself. I think now I'm a lot more like, I definitely will go into my next projects like, oh yeah, okay, I know what I want out of this. But when I had not done a feature, obviously I kind of over listened to a lot of the criticisms or the feedback. And so it's like, but you can't like write a script to please people or by committee. So um, there were drafts though that definitely went through a bit more of a people pleasy kind of thread. <laughs> well, it's easy to do, isn't it? it? Is when people are coming do. with ideas and you go, oh gosh, yes, yes, because you they've made films and you trust in them and then you go down a route and you go well oh shit how do I pull it back it's really difficult to balance that period when you're sort of development of a script what works what doesn't mm -hmm. you don't know and you mm -hmm. don't know you kind of think it works it's really I, I find that really difficult too and choosing whose opinion to choose uh, but when you're in a situation where it's you know you're there with a funding body and they're saying do this well of course you're going to do it but actually it might not go down the right route for what you want and that that can take a lot of time H how do you find rewriting then because it can be very difficult to dive back into something and pull it apart I'm really open to ideas and rewriting but I did get quite exhausted with that side of the process as well because it was like I felt like sometimes in late development I felt like I was just changing things for the sake of it and then um I would get frustrated because I would go back to earlier ideas that had been and, and you know sometimes I think you have to work there's you know what often happens is you have a night you have the script and then you go to all the different places you could possibly go and often you end up quite back to quite like quite similarly what you started with because it just is as though your imagination has to go on that kind of journey or or other people have to go on that journey with you to make sure that you've exhausted all the possible things but then you know often your first often your early instincts are kind of right and um and I always knew about this story that like it was about a woman who just um you know she was sort of um giving up and that to me was like actually a really important experience and um but I know that there was a bit of um sort of hesitance around some of the well one the presentation of anorexia at all because that's it was a really challenging thing to sort of mm -hmm. sell um yes <laughs> and also like because because we all were fully aware all the way along like what that would involve an actor having to do um and uh yeah the ethics of that as well and i ha had to often like kind of you know explain how we would like look after this person or you know how we would present the subject yeah there was all this stuff going into it at, at the same time as trying to just write a good story so it's like um yeah there were times when it was like oh my goodness was there times when you thought oh i'm going down such a wrong path here or it's this might not get made and you'd spent a long time doing it at this point I never let myself think that it wouldn't get made because I think that would have broken me because I had invested so much into it. Now, having made a film, on the other side of it, I'm like constantly amazed that anyone actually manages to do it because... Totally agree. <laughs> yep. It's nuts. It's nuts. And nobody, like, you're like, you know, if you don't have any experience in the film industry, you're like, oh yeah, it's so easy. Just get some money and then people show up and, you know, and it's all Point lovely. the camera that way. And yeah, that way. And yeah, the actors yeah, do yeah, the whole yeah. thing in one 
take. Yeah, brilliant. I know. But it's like the reality is there's so much that can go wrong and there's, you know, there's so many shoots that like do get pulled or like, especially this year, obviously. Like Mm. I've been thinking, you know, if we'd been trying to shoot that this year, it wouldn't, it would have been completely messed up because we couldn't have um, adhered to any of the kind of, restrictions or the any of the social distance it would have just been a complete disaster and like imagine investing years of your life developing a project and you basically have one shot at doing it because it's not a hollywood mega mega bucks blockbuster so and then that's it you know because of this like because of the world you, you know it was it's a terrifying thought but that's the reality for a lot of people and um yeah we were just fortunate that we got it in um when you know we, we shot it when we did but um you know there were a lot of times that it, it looked like dicey and there was you know the stuff with financing that that was you know had to be resolved really late in the day down to the wire and i wasn't you know sleep i wasn't sleeping about that and then i wasn't mm-hmm. sleeping about various other things so it's like yeah just for for a really, you know, for a small independent film, it's uh, it's a it's a big investment of your life um, to making it happen. And so I couldn't, yeah. I think it's just like I just had to have that mindset that this will happen. So any deviation from this happening is not. I'm just not even going to compute that because it, I can't allow myself to go there mentally because otherwise I would probably just give up. <laughs> and I think a lot of filmmakers, directors, screenwriters do do that. They get to a point where they do hit the brick walls. Yeah. And if you're not powerful enough with that and I mean that in the nicest way and if you're not you don't think this is going to get made like you have and have that burning passion of course it can fall down because the people around you have other jobs they have other films they've got going as well they're developing other things so if you're not fully driving that they're not either but if you're knocking on the door going here's a new script how about this how about that Mm. it's going to be on their mind because they like it and they're like you and they've developed their time and investment in it but if you backed off for a second and just went oh god yeah this is too much i'm gonna i'll come back to this in a month or two months let me i'm gonna go work for a bit do something else they're gonna lose interest you're gonna find it really hard to pick it back up they're doing another film so you you do honestly have to be on it yeah and it sounds like you did that really well yeah um I just wanted to touch on the screenwriting again a tiny bit more in terms of how do you actually, when you start to write this, do you like to have full notes written down? Do you write off the cuff? Do you have scenes already in your mind? I know you made a short first, so that would have helped, but it'd be really interesting to know your process as a screenwriter. Yeah, it started off as a short and that was the sort of genesis of the central kind of conflict in the film, which was very much about this mother who is anorexic and she was trying to take, you know, she um, was taking care of her daughter and her daughter had baked her cake for her birthday and she couldn't eat it. So that was the short. Um, so that kind of, as you know, that kind of encapsulates a lot of the central stuff in what is now the feature. I went through so many drafts of the story and thinking back to it, um, I mean, initially I think it was a bit more horror driven. Like there was more body horror kind of elements in it, I would say. And um, and then it was working with Anjali. Um, I was definitely, I think it made me a lot better, obviously going through this process and any pro, any creative project makes you better or, or at least sort of reaffirms like certain things about how you do, how you approach things. But I think before, before I had made this and before I had worked with the script editor, I was quite like, oh, I just gonna, I'm just gonna write and I'm gonna write out this idea and I'm not gonna like really um, beat sheet it or treat, do like exhaustive treatments because I, it's not like I found that boring, but I just sometimes find it quite freeing to just, I mean, I come at, came at it from more of a fiction writer's angle. Like I just want to see where this goes. Um, but yeah, obviously that sometimes doesn't work in screenwriting to just sort of see where things go. Um, but yeah, what, what I now find really useful is, and I make myself do, and I think is good discipline is just, you know, really actually getting out all the problems in a, getting out a really good treatment. And then the writing should just flow really fast after that, because I don't find it difficult to write. I'm a fast writer, but it's just making sure that it's the most um, effective 
you know, all the scenes are really effective and punchy and have as much in them as they possibly can because you actually end up saving yourself loads of time if you work all that stuff out in the treatment. I like the work that way as well. Oh, that's good, yeah. Mm. I think a lot of people would rather just like, oh yeah, I'm just going to loftily sit down and, and pen my masterpiece, but it's just unfortunately, yeah. I tried that at first. That was my initial, like, however many years ago, was like, yeah, yeah, you'll be fine. Just there's an idea in your head. But I got to page 70 and got lost. I was like, oh, I haven't even got to the second act. I'm all over the place. And then I just lost interest because it was so hard to pull that back or know what to do. And so I totally now agree that putting a treatment together really solid and then as long as you can with even bits of a scriptment in there with dialogue and stuff anything to make it easier for you when you write you don't get stuck uh, i also like to write with other people because uh, i prefer it i much prefer doing that yeah i like the back and forth of it all and not feeling the pressure on my own i like to do that with other people push your pressure back on them and they push it on <laughs> me and it's a, it's a much better way of working for me so what was the moment like when you found out bfi bbc films and film london with the microwave scheme have said yes they've given you the green light can you remember that moment I can, or was it a long yeah. process <laughs> it was actually you know it was so weird because um i there were six projects yeah and we all had to go pitch and then so um they decided on i was waiting for the phone call from dan the producer um, dan cleland yeah. yeah dan cleland yes. yeah he called me and he was like uh, oh, I've got some news. And I was like, oh, right, that's obviously not good. And then he's like, well, they've they've selected one project, but they've got... Uh, it, the second spot is between us and this other film. So we've got to go back and do another, like, wow, document. And I was like, are you... I was so pissed off. I was like, do you want my blood? Like, what are you doing to me? And it was like, I can't remember what exactly we had to be really clear about, but they were, you know, they needed some more reassurance. I think it was a bit more about the sort of, about the Stephanie's character and that presentation stuff. So, um, had to go and do that. And then... Did you, did you like, did you do a rip reel? Did you do uh, visions? And did you give them like loads of photos of how you think it would look? Did you do all that? Was we that did, I did do a, I did do, um, a lookbook kind of thing I didn't do a reel but um yeah it, which I've actually which was really helpful um because you know I was able to kind of show references like Jean Dielman and um these kind of older European films that you know ha use a lot of long takes and all that kind of stuff that I've used in Body of Water but I couldn't believe that they'd asked us for another bloody piece of paper I was like really ready to just like throw my phone out the window but um anyway I did totally. Julie did it yeah. and then um and then they said I actually feel really sorry for the people that didn't get it because I would have been because mm. they did how that pissed they off went you. yeah that. they went through all that and then they didn't get it I would have been so annoyed yeah and then we we celebrated and we had Prosecco and that was lovely and then um and then yeah it was like okay cool but at the same now time what? now you yeah now you're like shit <laughs> now i've got yeah. to do it <laughs> and the thing is it's not the same as like eye features like they don't just give you all the budget you have to actually rate you have to actually raise some yourself as well or you how can. much percentage is it at the moment or was it they gave it they gave us two thirds and then you know right. you can raise another third if you want so if it's 150 grand budget let's say they give you 100 grand ish and you yeah, have to raise yeah. the other 50 yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, Okay, fine. So how did you go about raising the other 50? Yeah, basically we had a, long, like, a lot of conversations with potential production companies who loved the project, but it was also like, it's a weird, quite a weird amount of money to put into mm. a film. You know, it's not, it's not, a, you know, in, in normal person's turn, that's a lot of money. But, you know, obviously in a film budget world, that is not a lot it's of money. So tiny. it's a bit of a, yeah. yeah. So... Yeah. It was sort of smaller, smaller, ambitious production companies um, that were we were talking to, and we had a really long conversation with one. And then at the sort of last hour, like just when we were kind of really needing to get the money together, um, they couldn't they couldn't make it happen, and we were like, "Fuck!" So um, mm -hmm. yeah, we had we we did uh, get on board with uh, Boudica and Two Lovely mm. and Bright Shadow Films um, quite late in the day, but it, it worked out. But like that's what I mean about like it's just really nervous breakdown inducing like that stuff. And I had never been through anything like that before, and it just felt like because we couldn't also move our shoot dates. Like obviously in some some scenarios, if there's money issues or whatever, um, you can move the shoot. But because Shan had been um, doing her training and prep and stuff to change physically for the role. Like we had, we were really locked into the dates for shootings. We had to get 
everything together by then and it was just really gnarly it was a lot of pressure that pressure oh my god especially because absolutely at that point you think is this going to fall apart you know you've got know. Uh, shine there I working know. out and doing a thing you've got your mentally i remember this on the dare as well i didn't have the green light for so long that they kind of said yeah. yes very similar situation but you were just waiting for that green light which was a studio space and all that time i'm prepping 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 but there's a bit in the back of my mind that's going i know is this a waste of my time is I this know. really going to happen is this am i doing all this for nothing Completely. and you must have been the same yeah. yeah. And you just got to kind of proceed as though everything's going to work out. But, you know, as mm. we were saying, these things can fold and it happens a lot. And nobody actually talks about that. But because um, mm. you only ever see a film when it's finished. But it's like, you know, the, the amount of horror stories about stuff that just gets pulled or whatever. It's like, mm-hmm. and you, you're like, oh my God, that could actually have been my project if X, Y, and Z hadn't come together at a certain point. And it's a lot of like, as we said, winging it really. Yeah. <laughs> and well, it's, it's terrifying it's such yeah, a crazy it really business is. Yeah. it is but it's also testament to you the fact that you obviously could pitch well and you obviously did have a brilliant vision that even though you then had bbc and bfi and you know film london part of it it made it easier sell but the fact is they still invested in you i always say this to filmmakers it doesn't matter necessarily how brilliant your script is or how it, of course it wants to be but they're investing in you yeah. as a person yeah and if you're cool if you're all right you have a vision and you have a real sense of how you can make films and they see a future with you i think that's a huge part of it i really do you can't be in there mumbling and going well yeah, i just want to make a film and i'm a genius and you, you do have to have, be personable and have a vision be strong and it sounds like you absolutely did that and wow well, well done that's oh my heart's in my mouth even thinking about that know, last minute was, stuff amazing yeah, amazing yeah, I know. let's talk about casting then because you mentioned sean brooke who played stephanie your lead you've got amanda burton who obviously is a wonderful star anyway yeah. you know from silent witness but then you had the wonderful uh fabienne paolini castle if i pronounce that yeah, correct paolini castle yeah. yeah i mean what a three wonderful leads you had i mean fair play so how did you cast that and also you've got to cast people like you mentioned with uh sean who has to look anorexic she Mm. has to look skinny Mm. so talk us through that yeah obviously that was a massive challenge for any casting director and you know it did make the role quite again for her our casting director was Aisha Bywater she's fantastic Mm. Um, she is she she did last days on Mars perfect sense startup Uh, which is amazing yeah 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 Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. she's cool she's a very cool lady and she's very uh you know, no nonsense. And I really, I really like that, especially with people working in the film industry. So it was like, and she, you know, obviously the Shan's character, Stephanie is the sort of center heartbeat of the story. So, you know, obviously we started with her, but that was, as, as I mentioned, like the toughest role, I think to go out, you know, and say to agents and stuff like this role is this character and she's going to have to look this way and this and that. So, um, you know, there was a lot of interest, but it was just also like, I think it was, it's a, you know, it's a, quite a scary proposition for an actor, you know, having to do that. And um, so you had to really have balls to like want to, to, to get on board with it, um, which kind of sorted the wheat from the chaff fairly, fairly easily. And um, I actually didn't meet that many actresses for it, but um, I had a, I had a couple of Skype chats with Shan and, she, I just, you know, I was sort of like, it was a bit like love at first sight, you know, in a way, because, and I think it's kind of got to be like that when you're casting um, for all your roles. I was like, yes, yeah, she's perfect. She was so cool also as a person, um, but also just um, really wanted to do the character justice, ha- asked so many intelligent questions about like where this character had come from, had come from her experiences and, and really enriched, um, enriched her in that sense. And we had loads and loads of really good chats about that stuff and did a lot of research together um, about, well, what about being a war photographer as well, though that doesn't actually come out too much in the final film, but that is obviously a big part of Stephanie's backstory. And um, so, yeah, Shan, and I remember her saying um, in, uh, in Glasgow, when we did a Q&A, she said, you know, she was actually kind of scared of reading the script because she knew what would be involved if she liked it. And um, yeah, <laughs> so, but she read it and she liked it and she really loved it. So it was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> but, <laughs> which is really funny. I like, I just never thought about it like that. But um, I just mm. feel really lucky that we found someone that was as committed as she is. And she really made the role her own and... 
um, you know, all the things like, you know, the haircut that's very specific. Mm. And, you know, she, she has a little, I don't know if you've never seen it, maybe get a flash of it in one scene, but she's got a little, you know, tattoo. She just really wanted for the character. And um, so she was obviously the main starting point. And then um, we saw a lot of girls for the Pearl role. Obviously, that's quite a big kind of catchment um, for, you know, young, younger actresses. <laughs> And um, she's about 16, right? In the yeah, film, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, Fab stood out because she's got a kind of toughness to her that I really like, and she's quite, um, you know, there was a bit of res- there's a sort of resistance that Pearl needed to have towards her mother, like she's, and I also I feel like Fab is, um, you know, she's sort of physically strong and, you know, has a has a real presence that I think, you know, plays interest in is playing interestingly against Stephanie, who's obviously physically, in a sense, you know, weakened. And um, so, yeah, and then they we did some chemistry t- tests with uh, Shan and a couple of these actresses and then just felt like Fab was the right choice. Um, but there, that was quite a big conversation and a lot of the execs were involved in that one. And then Amanda... Again, I have to say that was really easy because I knew of him. Obviously, I knew Amanda. Uh, well, I knew Shan beforehand uh, of Shan beforehand as well. But I, you know, everyone knows Amanda, and it was like, oh, I was so excited that she was interested, and um, hadn't seen her in anything for a while because she she sort of stopped acting for a bit, and then she showed up, and she just was so good, and also just like I just could so easily see her as this kind of matriarch uh, of these you know and, and like how they how they would all bounce off each other and yeah it was just like oh yes it must be amanda she was so real with that performance even though she was the matriarch she was yeah. also wounded and know. you know she's getting married to a, another woman in the film and that whole pressure from her and the balance of that it's almost like yes well you've got problems but what about my problems but i'm not going to tell you about them and that was wonderful it was also under said and there's a lovely moment at the wedding itself that comes out the blue but you go i totally get why that's happening it's you know really really fascinating so yeah the cast were incredible was there any kickback at all from you know the bbc to say hey can we get a bigger names you know because i say these are wonderful actors but in terms of they're trying to sell a movie it's always the same no they didn't i mean i think they they recognized that Obviously, you know, because we didn't have a massive budget as well, like it wasn't like people were doing this for to go and retire in the Bahamas. So it was like, you know, <laughs> never, yeah. I don't know if it ever happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, especially mm-hmm. independent filmmaking. But um, mm-hmm. yes, they certainly weren't doing it for the dollar. So it was like, I think, again, with most of the cast, they had had some sort of level of experience or connection with someone that had gone through something like this or something. There was, there tended to be that thread. Um, but the BBC never said they never made any issue about that they did have kind of final say you know they could if they had objected they could have said something but um no i think the cast did us really proud oh they're amazing you're honestly it's such a wonderful cast it's so good they draw you in with their silences and their looks and their feeling and it's just great. you must have been over the moon and and looking at that then in terms of going back to one set and being with these actors and playing in that moment what what was what was what was going through your mind in those times of thinking about the arcs and thinking about the story but also thinking about the shot the Mm. film as a whole because how do you like to play each day? Would you kind of just go, I've got to get, right, let me just concentrate on this day and f- work through the problems of today? Because, uh, yeah, how do you like to work that those moments on set? I, I do like to sort of be, you know, have a, 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 you know, a good plan and I will always make the effort to meet up with the cinematographer early and we'll talk through everything and spend a bit of time when it's quiet. Um, and he was amazing at that. And so we would always have our, you know, little plan between us of, you know, and also like what's, what are we going to do if it all goes tits up, which it obviously does sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, but I am quite fluid and also you, you know, especially with this kind of material, you want to give the actors the time to try different things in their performances as much as possible where there's a few scenes that obviously I I wish we could have spent a bit more time on but we just didn't have it so it was a case of we just need to get this and move on but um, I think sometimes like the the kind of chaos and stress of that could actually like help translate into the 
into the final performances but um i know mm. that sometimes that was a bit stressful for the cast like there was one particular scene um the in the eating in the eating disorder group uh the mm-hmm. final scene with shan like we were really running out of time and we just didn't um you know she just didn't we couldn't get all the angles we wanted but for some reason in the edit it actually kind of works because we, what we, you know, it was actually quite a labor of love that that scene because of like the lack of footage. Yeah, we made it work, and um, it, you know, you wouldn't know that that wasn't part of the grand scheme of how it's supposed to look. But um, it's, uh, it was that was a really challenging day because also, yeah, yeah, it was about Shan had obviously put so much into it, like all the training, and it had taken over her life in a way. Um, but uh, I, I just wanted to give her the time um, on camera that she, you know, as much time on camera as possible. So, yeah, um, that was always a battle. But you're always, you're always like, you know, you always have to sort of trade something off um, in, in a sense, because it's like unless you've got you've got like, you know, a huge multimillion dollar budget and you can spend loads of time on things. It's just and reshoots you know, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Here you're going. We've got what we've got. And actually, you're saying that about the edit. Sometimes, even though and this has happened to me, you think, oh God, this scene's never going to work. We aren't going to have to put it together. I didn't have enough coverage because, yeah. because, because of, you know, whatever it is. But actually you come to the edit and you go, oh, we, we can make that work with just that wide. If mm, we mm, want to mm. do that route, you know, and actually sometimes it does or just a single on that person because the other people in the scene aren't important. Yeah, I suppose it's sometimes in the, in the shoot, choosing what's more important and going, well, let, that's more important, let's get that. But sometimes you can find stuff in the edit you didn't even know was there. I know. That's the kind of film, you know, the, the magic of post-production as well. It's like, oh, yeah, so I've got this stuff. And then there's that really helpful David Lynch quote that's something like, you know, and he goes into an edit, he's like, I'm just going to pretend that I don't have a clue about what all this stuff is and then I'm going to just piece it together um, as though some other guy shot it and then I, I'm just trying to find and it's just mm. quite a helpful way of looking at it because it's like you do you know you, if you if you kind of let yourself be a bit free in that part of the process when you've got all the material it is actually really liberating and there's so much more you can do than if you're trying to like oh i must keep that line and i must keep that and, and it's just like actually yeah that's so important and i love that phrase that's really good let someone else you know think that they directed it so therefore you can be free to do what you want because you can get hung up on shots you know it's pissing it down with rain that day and uh, there was a problem with whatever whatever and someone got hurt but you've got the shot and it was amazing and everyone cheered but actually in the edit doesn't work at all and then you're forcing in a scene just because of what you went through but actually or a shot it doesn't you don't need no yeah you can easily get attached to those kind of stories behind shots rather than the actual story story you need to tell Yeah. yeah that people at home don't care about. They don't care how what you went through when you shot it. They don't care if anyone died. They don't give a shit. They want to know about the story and if it works. So yeah, that is fascinating, fascinating, that whole... How was it? Okay, so you've edited your film now. Obviously, we, we could go on for days about editing films because yeah. we... we <laughs> um, but then in terms of then having to show it back to the powers that be, the BBC and BFI. What was that moment like for you? And, and did you, were you, what, did you need their approval to release it? Did you, all that kind of stuff? Was that part of it as well? Um, yeah, that's a really interesting question. Yeah, we had to do, uh, I think we had three sessions of presenting the film to more presenting. Yeah. <laughs> execs. Um, and that would again be BFI people, BBC and Film London. And Film London were obviously more involved in the day-to-day and they would look at more cuts before we showed them to, um, you know, the less sort of lesser, like hands-on people at BBC and BFI. So yeah, we had these, you know, we had a first screening in the BFI St. Stephen Street. And it's really like, you know, it's scary. Obviously you're like, you know and it is quite a risky project it wasn't ever going to be an easy so it was you know and I'm very conscious of that and I know it's not everyone's type you know it's not like anything's um, not necessarily everyone's cup of tea but um, yeah I remember being really pumped when we went into that and and actually the reaction was really positive um, but they had a lot of really helpful insightful because these are people that fucking know what they're talking about in terms of films yeah. so you're mm-hmm. like um, you know just ways you can frame things can you push it this way can you draw that out more um and actually a couple of like really helpful we flipped a couple of the um timelines a little bit on some of the scenes as well and it actually helped make a lot more sense so it's just 
it's just this magic stuff that happens and you're like, oh yeah, okay. Um, but it's all uh, sort of in, you know, these conversations in these back rooms in the BFI and actually, yeah, it was really, it was really good. And then um, the second time, less nerve wracking because obviously everyone had seen it and again, very helpful. And then we had the final thing to sign off and that was, that was the picture done. And then we, you know, were able to move on to, uh, sound and all the other post elements. So um, amazing! And did you know then that they had a specific release date in mind? So did you know you're working towards? Did you have? Was it very clear? No, no. Okay. no. It was a bit. Um, it was quite sort of driven by like what festival release we could expect and this and that. And um, but basically, again, um, because of the budget and stuff, it was a little bit like it took a while to finish just because. We were working with really awesome people like Jody is a colorist at Technicolor and Technicolor were fab. Like they did so much for the project, but obviously they're also working on massive pictures. So, you know, they'd done us a, a sort of really good deal, but it meant that we had to kind of slot in a little bit around their big, you know, which is fine. But um, it did mean sometimes that we would get not pushed back a bit if a big project came in. So, um, you know, but I, they were really generous with their time. And um, I think that was the thing that someone told me really early on in, um, you know, when I was actually just still meeting um, heads of department, they were like, you know, pick your uh, crew as carefully as you pick your cast, because obviously mm. you're in there for the long haul with these people. And actually you can deal with a difficult actor because you're probably not going to be uh, necessarily face to face with them that much um, but if you know with a cinematographer or whatever you know you're spending an awful lot of time with these people but I was so happy with all of my heads of department were amazing so you know that, and that also made it a nice environment to work in because they all and they all seem to gel really well together as well which is really good I think that's vital to pick your crew really well pick yeah. you, because you're in the trenches with them like say your actors okay let's hope god forbid that you don't have any fallings out or whatever but your crew your cinematographer that's your person so if there's an issue that's the per first person you speak to in the morning last person at night you know you're going through all your shots and everything and and all your, your ACs and your focus puller they're right there with you the whole time so you've yeah you want to pick cool people so when did they start saying okay you're gonna this is going to be the release date when did you start knowing that well, this is the time to get preparing to press and stuff yeah i mean it's been because this year's obviously just been so crazy for everyone um we did the premiere in in glasgow and then we were talking to verve and then we you know went with them and they're the distributor and then initially we were talking about september release um because of covid and everyone not really knowing what the fuck was going on and then um it got pushed back a bit uh not too much but um yeah like that we engaged a press officer um only a couple of months ago i think really two or three months ago um and he sort of prepared a plan and um you know got all the ball he's been amazing as well actually i have to say um got all the ball rolling with that stuff and it's been you know i was pleasantly surprised by the level of interest in it and a lot a lot in kind of amanda and shan mainly because uh you know obviously amanda's a kind of returning big name and um uh, this is quite a different role for her and uh yeah it just yeah but i've done i've yeah i've been talking to loads of publications and it's been a, yeah as we were saying it's quite a it's quite a fast train you're just gonna jump on and hold on by the you know your, on your knuckles but uh yeah totally and are you are you still because it's coming out on 16th of october are you is cinema still happening do you know if that's yeah i mean unless the government stuff changes between now and which could happen so nuts isn't it but uh yeah it's on demand and in cinemas there's definitely some screenings in london sheffield edinburgh uh, Cardiff um, and Derby and a bunch of other places. So yeah, all these really nice, uh, yeah, and the home cinema in Manchester. And the, yeah, there's a lot of really nice independent venues that I love. So that's, I'm really, I'm really happy about that. And it's just nice that it's going to be on a big screen. And um, God, yeah. yeah, after all this, yeah. you know. You should be so proud. Honestly, like I say, you, this is a, an amazing movie. The fact Thank it's your you. debut movie, the fact that it's, you know, picked up by Verve, the fact that you're getting cinemas, even during this time, is incredible. You should be immensely proud. Thank I you. think you're fantastic and you've done brilliantly and a director to watch hugely. Oh, um, thank you so much. It, but honestly, it's, it's really cool. It's really cool. And I love seeing female filmmakers break in like this. It's so cool. Uh, it's not easy. It's much harder 
Yeah, I think I, I hope it's getting better. I mean, I am seeing a mm -hmm. lot of like, you know, there's just a bit of a flurry of independent filmmakers um, breaking through women, uh, females. But I, I guess the, the the worry is also like there is a there is a big drop off, you know, normally between people making a first and a second feature, like a lot of people don't go on to make a second feature. So I just hopefully, you know, um, I think you just kind of got to you know, maintain the same kind of tenacity about continuing in this in this business. But it is it does feel amazing to have completed a feature film after, you know, because you find yourself talking about this stuff, these projects for so long. And tell then everyone's like, yeah. and like my parents and stuff have nothing to do. Like they don't know the film industry at all. They're both solicitors and they're just like, when's your film? Like what was, what's this film that you've been talking about for years? And so now I'm like, actually, mom, dad, it's in it's the really, Radio Times. Like it's, it's actually yeah. a thing. That they can real connect thing. with. Yeah. Go to the cinema, tell your so friends. Funny. Yeah. Yeah, no. It's that's why I mean the four years from when I first started. So that's it's mad. crazy. Yeah. Well, six since I first started writing it. So you just go, Oh my god, shut up talking about it. But I now know. it's nice. I can actually say you can go watch it, you go watch it. Yeah. So yeah, it must feel wonderful for you as well. And yeah. you mentioned there about keeping the momentum going. I take it you are already working on this stuff, you're already writing your next one? Yeah, I've got um okay. a couple of idea a couple of feature films uh in development uh one is sort of you know drawing on the same things but perhaps in a bit more of an elaborate scale and um but also yeah, get like budget. Get yeah, budget get a bit more budget <laughs> probably playing a little like flirting a little bit more with like horror genre and stuff like that but you know trying to kind of skewer a lot of different stuff and then a tv series as well with a producer in scotland that's um we're just taking out to um production companies at the moment so that's really exciting um and yeah, it's 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 just nice to have a few irons in the fire, obviously. Um, so important. Yeah. And finally, then, any um, advice for uh, filmmakers now, looking back at your younger self, like oh, literally yeah. a couple of years ago, yeah. what would you give? What would you tell yourself, I suppose? And also, um, what little bit of advice would help filmmakers wanting to try and make their first feature right now, oh, or their next one? Um, I guess it's just you know um, keeping your ultimate it feels so good to be on this side of it that i wish i could just send myself a reassuring hug that it will all work out and then because i always knew that i really needed to tell the story and that was the the real drive for pushing it through at, despite all these setbacks and knockbacks because they they do they happen to everyone um you know it, just as long as you believe in your idea, I guess, you know, and you, you, you hold it dear and close to yourself, then you will get there. But it, it might be, a, it is a mountain and it is even harder now. And, and I think, you know, I really hope that the film, you know, smaller films are still going to be made in the next few years. But I mean, who knows? But I think it's just a case of, you know, finding something that you really believe in and holding it and, and really, you know, but just being really tenacious. That's all I can say. Because it is, it is a tough, it is a tough industry, and we all know that. But we love it. We must love it because we stay in it, and we, you know, talk about it a lot. So, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I yeah, hope that's not too that's... rambly. But uh, yeah, that's my kind of overarching um, lift up people that might be because you do feel sometimes you do feel like you know jacking it all in. I mean, that's just normal. But um, mm -hmm. it is worth it to get to the other side. Love that. That's so good and so perfect. And thank you for your time. Thank you for uh, having Lucy me. Lucy Bryden, thank yeah. you so much. Body of Water is in cinema 16th of October and on digital. Seek it out. Enjoy this brilliant drama. Support independent filmmakers and support Lucy on her journey. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, where can people follow you? Because that's how we got yeah. in contact. I messaged you on Twitter. I'm you like, did. come on, on the podcast, you're ace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm on Twitter. It's Lucy Lodash Bryden. And then I'm on Instagram. And there's a, a just um the same i think yeah, lucy.bryden um and then my the film has its own instagram uh account body of water film so that's got all the updates and we also have a website so if you just um google body of water film website that should show up and it'll have all the information about the screenings um and so on but yeah please do give me and it a follow and yeah we can hopefully it'd be lovely to hear what everyone thinks 
and please do and please do tell Lucy certainly when you've heard this send her a message and say cool thank you so much for your time but also when you've seen the film mm. um, because it's so nice to get feedback lovely feedback obviously uh, yeah. if you don't like it shut up <laughs> uh, and the same with reviews if you don't like something shut up shut up don't be keyboard warriors thank you um, uh, brilliant thank you so much remember everyone you can go make your indie film just as Lucy has done believe in yourself believe in what you want to make and go do it and if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well it is your duty to send the elevator back down we will see you next Tuesday <laughs> as always uh, keep making films keep believing and go do it Lucy thank you thank you so much Giles speak to you soon pleasure Bye. take care everyone bye bye, bye.